1: There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting, too much noise altogether. In silence, there's strength and peace and space. Imagine, silent
2: forever.
1: The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by Prost, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. Prost is a not for profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au.
0: Hi, I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett and I designed the Penile Rehabilitation Program to help men recover from prostate cancer. It's an online program built on decades worth of knowledge and experience and practice. It's the only one of its kind in the world, and it actually works. So if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer and want to get your penis working again as quickly as possible, and why wouldn't you, then visit penilerehabilitationprogram.com, and you'll be off and running. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. All the best with your recovery, which I promise will never be as bad as you think.
1: November 11, 11 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. In the pub, in the tab, in the cars, we remember
0: today. We have Todd who has a prostate cancer journey and he's going to tell us all about it. He had is American and he's had all his treatment there. And I was lucky enough to meet him and his lovely wife by the internet. And uh, we've been doing some consults together. So Todd, would you be able to start off with your tell us what what your story is.
2: Okay, thank you. Nice to be here. And share this with other men and and, uh, people in relationships. As a kid growing up, my father ended up uh, getting prostate cancer, kind of out of the blue. And then all of us, I have two other brothers, all of us became very cognizant of it, and we always went in for PSA tests. And then my eldest brother also ended up with prostate cancer, and he had it removed. And my middle brother has been fine, and I'm the youngest. And so yeah. I kept checking my PSA, and there was one point where it just it went up. It only went up two points, but they took a look at it and said they did all the biopsies and all of those things. And we went to a number of surgeons and wanted to make sure we were going to do nerve sparing if they had to do anything. And we interviewed people for doing radiation therapy, people doing the cyber knife. I think we went to seven or eight different doctors, a couple of different surgeons, a couple of different radiologists. There was a SEEDS radiologist and there was the BEAM radiologist. It's it's just a mess. And all the doctors and surgeons say to you, well, you've got all the data now, make the decision. So it's hard. Like, I, I'm not... A doctor. <laughs> I don't have the medical degrees. So to say that you're empowering the patient by saying, "Well, you've got the day to make a decision is kind of madness. Mm. But um, we ended up going with uh, having full prostate removal. and that was done very successfully. It was a year ago last December,
0: yeah, okay
2: so it's been 13 months.
0: And how has your PSAs been post-surgery?
2: So cancer-wise, everything was great. Uh, the PSA has been below anything that's detectable, 0. 0.015, I think, is, is yeah. the lowest they can detect, and I'm below that. Yeah. So all that's great. And from the surgeon's standpoint, and the whole urology department standpoint, they're like, Okay. Mission accomplished. Yeah. And that's really all they want to talk about is, Hey, you came to us with cancer and you left and you're cancer-free. So they're two thumbs up. Yeah. But that's not looking at the whole patient and the whole life of that patient. Uh, you know, I'm somebody who's had a very active sex life my whole life. And married a long time and that's an important part of our relationship mm. and it was shocking to go from a, a normal act of sex life to nothing to can, the infinites.
0: Can i ask were you aware that that was, would happen after the surgery was that actually discussed with you
2: yes they discussed it and said with nerve sparing um it comes back Erections come back maybe 80% of the time. And they said it can take six to twelve months. Uh later on they said something like 12 to 18. <laughs> you know, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot to some people, but that that was just impossible to really comprehend.
0: Mm, it sounds and like a lot uh, to it,
2: me. <laughs> yeah, and so now it's been 13 months and this surgeon and surgeon's office who was a great guy highly recommended has done tons of prostate surgery in the in our area he didn't talk about rehab he didn't talk about the sex life part of it he really was focused on the the cancer and the urology part of it and the the incontinence mm. and all that resolved itself very quickly
1: so actually, I want
0: to let Jo ask you some questions about the incontinence, because that's her thing and what you did for that, and then we'll get back to the sex life bit and how we met.
2: Okay. Okay.
1: Thanks, Melissa and Todd. It's great to hear from you. It must be an American day, because I've just had a patient in my rooms who's all the way from Florida, and then I advised him of an expert, um, what's called a body, body therapist, body work therapist over in the US who's based in Seattle, and this guy's only here for six weeks. He's just back here leaving here in two weeks. And somehow I said, let's give this guy a call. The guy picks up and we he's in Seattle and I've managed to make these two have an appointment in three weeks together. <laughs> so it's an American day. The world gets smaller. But right. actually, rather than talking about incontinence for a second, Todd, I'd like to just go back to your comment there because a lot of my patients do talk about the goalpost shifting on the expectations of recovery of that sexual function. And you just made a comment that sort of hit me quite hard when you said you were told before the surgery there was an 80% chance that your sexual function would recover. I happen to know that the best results actually state it's 22% in formal research. So that 80% is way higher than we would tell patients here. Would you agree, Melissa? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I do think, though, you and I have discussed this a lot before, Joe. that the research is always so far behind what's happening that we're seeing way better results than that, but certainly
1: not 80%. And so with that expectation, Todd, of 80%, was it, I guess, not downplayed, but were your, were your expectations where that it was going to be quicker than it actually has been?
2: Yes. Yes, and... Every and all the literature and all the doctors talk about. Well, if you do nerve sparing, it it's really significantly um, improves the chances of it coming back, and how well it comes back. Mm -hmm. And you may need Viagra or Cialis or something, but which is like, you know, that I I don't mind that. Did
1: that work for you in the early months?
2: No. No. Not nothing nothing wakes the the sleeping giant but uh <laughs> not that it's a giant I don't want to say it that way
0: you can but, you can can we go into the do would you rather go into that what we're doing with that now joe Than you would go to the continents yeah I'm not even worried about the continents too much I'm, I'm dropping in in your conversation because okay. I think it's a, a really important one to have great so Tell us Todd what happened then like leading up to how you met me and how you found me and what you and your partner went through in that in your like emotionally how that felt.
2: Well, that's that's a very good question and a very intense one. Um the first thing that I would say is there is no Follow up. Like I had uh, some other surgery done, and as you come out of the hospital, they hook you up with PT. You've got this whole regiment. You're seeing somebody once or twice a week. They're giving you exercises to do at home. There's physical therapists that you go to. It's, it's, to- there's all this follow up. And are you getting the range of motion on your knee, or on your elbow, or on your shoulder? It's all being tracked. With this, we got rid of the cancer, we're, we're done with you. There, and there isn't clinic, like there's 100 PT clinics in this area in a 10-mile radius. There's nothing you can really do. It's still in the closet in 2023, which is shocking. There, I can't look up online and find a local ED clinic for to go in and say, hey, here's my situation and and get prescribed rehab and therapy. My doctor told me nothing about vacuum pumps or rings or uh, there was nothing, none of that. It was just weight. And so, you know, I... I'm an active man and I think that a, lo- a lot of men probably feel the same way. You're used to your whole life. You even just look at a, a pretty woman and you can and you feel something. And if you continue that thought process, not that I'm leering at people on the street, but <laughs> it, it, it in your mind just thinking about having sex or being with a partner gives me an erection yeah and since i was you know a little boy so that totally went away mm. i think it's, it's a real like,
0: grief it's a really a real grief process losing that it's like
2: it's a huge loss mm. it's a huge loss and it's it, it's a huge loss for me, it's a huge loss for my partner and it's a huge loss for us as a couple
0: mm.
2: because you're used to when somebody comes up and hugs you and you start to make out, you're used to something happening. Yeah. And it doesn't happen for you and that's sad and then your partner feels it not happening to you and then they they get sad and depressed about it. And then everybody just walks away from each other feeling bad. Yeah. And. Um, Todd, do you mind if I. And, ask- and e- even. And, oh, and we're very. I'm so fortunate to be with a partner who is one of the most open and caring and considerate and kind people I've ever met. And it's all about having a dialogue about it. But after three or four months of of a million interactions like that, that always end the same way, no matter how much you've processed it, and therapized it, and discussed it, and you're open about it, and you try a million different things, it it creates, it starts to become a a wedge or a, a distance between two people who were normally very close hmm. and that that nobody gives a shit about that is calling.
0: Yeah, it's really sad. And I think the other thing is, Todd, that there are people who do focus on this area, but as you just said before, even in 2023, it's so hard to get the message out there because of Social media rules and regulations and the internet and those things. It's so hard to Mm. disseminate this knowledge, which is a big reason why Joe and I have started this podcast because we can't have these conversations anywhere else. So, how did you come to find me? I can't remember actually (laughs) how you came to find me. So,
2: I started, how does anybody look for anything today? I started Googling and you find. You know, the men's sites, you know, be more virile, we'll sell you this magic ingredient, which of course the snake oil and doesn't do anything. Um, I I looked at all the urology departments around where we live. Nothing spoke to this issue in detail. And I just kept browsing around and I came across your website and it was Uh, just a huge sense of relief there was ah there's there's some hope
1: there's somebody to
2: talk to there's suggestions this idea of hey you should use a pump to rehab and get the muscle working again and filling with blood and it's like you should be doing that you know this many times a week since you had the surgery and you know i think it was eight months into it or nine months into it before i found your website Mm -hmm. and then when i went and to my urologist and I told him about it. He said, oh, yeah, that's a good thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So then you booked your first online appointment and we had that. Right. And how did you guys both feel? Because you and your partner came to that appointment. And how did you feel about meeting with someone online to discuss such a personal issue? Was it hard? It was
2: not very hard right that's good no, no, no pun intended by <laughs> the way. Um, but it really wasn't in part because there's such a huge need on the part of myself and my partner and and we're very open but but you are so open and so matter of fact and it's like you know well grab the wanker and you <laughs> have a needle in on that side and it's <laughs> But for me, when I go in for my shoulder with T.T., T.T., you know, does, shows me exactly what to do and gives me a printout and go home and lift weights and do this and bands. And it's very matter of fact. And it's just instead of this, it's this changes everything. Yeah. And you made it be just like, like this, like, It's just another part of my body.
0: That's good. That's what happens when you spend all day looking at penises. They become just another part of the body.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Can can I just um, step in for a moment? Um, I'm really um, enjoying your honesty and frankness here, Todd, because I hear the pause in your voice and I hear the sadness. I haven't met you before, like Melissa's been working with you. I can honestly say you reflect the mood and the experience of probably every single one of our patients. Mm -hmm. And so wherever you are around the globe, especially if you're listening, even in Ethiopia, and you've had this procedure, these men will relate to what you're saying. And so I just wanted to put a bit of history for me in that I have a brother who's urologist but in 2005 he asked me to assist him and we were looking at consonants back then and that was our main thing it was consonants and cancer and I actually remember that he was still even doing something called orchidectomy that's removing the testes so that would suppress the hormone and the prostate cancer progressing so what basically happens is back then men weren't getting the opportunity to have their PSAs their MRIs because they didn't exist So men were presenting with prostate cancer, which was advanced. They'd already had it in their spine metastatically. And so it was a matter of survival. There was a lot of radiation, but they weren't doing nerve-sparing procedures back then. It was very much in its infancy. There was just the open radical prostatectomy. Now, that was my experience in 2005. And my brother had actually learned about the technique in the United Kingdom and brought it back to Western Australia. But I remember a number of patients having to have their testicles removed So in a short period of time I know it's only 18 years but we've gone from actually being able to give men up to in Australia 97% survivorship or curing of the cancer and consonants pretty good if we especially if we do pelvic floor training and a bit of preparation you said you had a good time but my main thing was no one's talking about the sexual function so that's when I wanted to start inquiring about it but I wanted to make even my own research and studies focused on the sexual dysfunction because, to me, the longer-term problem was what you're talking about, the whole body stuff, the relationship stuff, the, um, the man's loss and the grief, as Melissa just said. And even my brother said, Joe, why do you keep talking to men about sexual dysfunction? Men aren't interested in sex. And I've said this a few times, and it just blew me away that a, a urologist and another man would think that he's his own man folk weren't, brotherhood weren't interested in sex. But it was all about the conversation and it's all about how it was asked. In fact, we found out he wasn't asking the questions. So they were asking me. Sometimes it's because maybe I'm a female. Some guys have said, oh, you know, you know what it's like to have problems down there with your menstru- menstrual cycles and mothering and all that sort of thing. But to be perfectly honest, I really love that you just said that Melissa helped normalise the conversation. And you to just do a little biceps curl. And that's our goal. Why can't the penis and erectile dysfunction be normal conversation too? And another thing I always say is as a physical therapist in America or a physiotherapist in Australia, there's two physical side effects from this surgery or this treatment. If we're only working with one, we're not doing the right thing by you as a patient. We're not providing whole body healthcare. And then we end up with psychological distress. So I just wanted to, I guess to reinforce it, seems sad and bad, but in actual fact, we've greatly improved survivorship, the quality of the surgery, sophisticated. We improved the continence, but we have forgotten about the whole man and his relationship. But it goes back to the fact that we didn't expect people to survive this long. But the younger you are, the longer you live, the more quality of life is important. And so I've never met a man who doesn't want his penis to work, to be perfectly honest, no matter what his age. And so those comments that you make are what I hear all day and every day is does Melissa. So my feedback is to say thank you for just putting in a way that I think every man could relate to. I'll just step back now, but I just wanted to offer um, some feedback from me hearing your conversation because I haven't met you before.
2: Right. Yeah, I mean, any man that I've spoken to about prostate cancer, even just at a dinner party or, you know, at a music event and people are talking about health and somebody will say something about prostate. Men talk about their prostate all the time because, oh yeah, I got to get up and pee in the middle of the night or, but whenever anybody talks about prostate, they think of prostate cancer. The first thing they ask is, oh, or they're like that, forget it. I hear that if you have prostate cancer and the surgery that you can't get it up anymore. And it's like that's enough to make people not even go in and get a PSA test, for God's sakes.
0: It was so funny you say that, Todd. I went through a drive through coffee shop the other day, and I have a, <laughs> a funny number plate on my car. And the guy <laughs> said to me, what do you do for a job with that number plate? It's... <laughs> the box of toys and I told him what I did and he was in his fifties and he goes, I've never had my prostate checked because I thought that meant that you could never get an erection again. So I refused to, and I was like, no, 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 you can. And I sent him the link to the podcast. So you're right. That's what people right. think. So now let's talk about your erections then and how they're going now. How did you feel the first time you used a pump and you knew that you could do something to empower yourself?
2: The uh, The pump was great as a rehab device, and it gave us hope. Just seeing the south rising again was (laughs) fantastic. So that was great. But it's really like doing PT, because when, when it's larger with the pump, there's no way to grab it and put it to good use so I've just got uh, a picture
0: of the phoenix bird (laughs) rising from the ashes I'm going to call this
1: episode the phoenix rises again (laughs) (laughs) me too Melissa I'm like totally having a chuckle trying to be quiet but anyway
2: so the pump was great knowing that oh first of all pissed me off I have to say because (laughs) where was the surgeon in telling me that why didn't I leave? I left the hospital with stuff with for incontinence and the catheter and pads and all that stuff. But they leave with a pump. <laughs> it's like ridiculous. And yeah. they all know, is it that they're just, oh, we don't want to talk about his penis. Hmm. You just, you know.
1: What's the name of our podcast, a... to- Todd? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Penis so, project. It's a bit, it's a bit
1: confronting. It's a bit confronting, but that's why. Yeah. Right. So, then so the pump, the pump the was
2: good for rehabbing, mm-hmm. but it didn't translate into function erections that were good enough for penetration. Mm. So, and I'm on a daily maintenance dose of Cialis, five milligram, just to keep blood flow and everything going, according to the surgeon um and then the next thing was you recommended that we oh the next thing was that the urologist said try these suppositories Mm -hmm.
0: so we don't just just so for our australian listeners we don't have them here but in america you have their little pillules that you put up the eye of the urethra and they are supposed to give you erections how did you go with those
2: so i put one in and. It hurt so much. <laughs> it was burning, and it and painful. And uh, you know, my partner says, "Oh, you almost passed out." But it was it was really quite something.
0: That's why um, the Therapeutic Goods Act, like TGA in Australia, which is the same as FDA in America, hasn't approved them because so many people get that experience with those things Lisa, what are right. they called again? uh they're called urethral pessaries oh
2: yeah it's a it's the apostrophal is that the drug yeah,
0: it's got l prostadol in it and one in 20 men have an adverse reaction to l prostadol and that's really unfortunate because they try it and they get that that sensation
2: yeah right and then my surgeon said well we also have the the injections So in the beginning of this process yes yes in the beginning of this whole process when the surgeon says and you know we have lots of ways to treat ed post surgery one of which includes uh injecting something into your penis to me there isn't a man alive that doesn't hear that that goes, It's like, um,
1: for those listening, he's crossing his fingers and going, Bali is no way. (laughs) Uh,
2: It's incomprehensible that, that you would take a sharp object and jab it into your penis. But 10 months later, you're like, if I have to hang upside down while I'm doing it and hold my breath while they're waterboarding me, (laughs) I'll do it. And so now it doesn't seem so bad. You recommended the auto injector and the bimix. My surgeon had said, "Oh, you can try this."
0: It? yeah, it was your injections. surgeon recommended an no injection, but I was worried you would have the same reaction as you had with the um,
2: urethra. Exactly. Reaction. So exactly. I exactly. So when yeah, you got when, I the same, that, same when I asked him that, right? when I asked him that, he said. Mm. Oh yeah, many men who have had pain from the suppositories will also have the same pain, if not more so, <laughs> by the injection. It's like
1: Okay, bit of common okay.
2: sense. <laughs> I'm helped. So Melissa said that right away. So Melissa recommended a bi-mix. I went back to my who said, Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess we could do that. <laughs> so at that point I'm realizing. He's a wonderful surgeon and a great urologist. Saved my life Mm -hmm. and wasn't worrying about the life of my penis and my sex life. And still to this day, it's not his jam. So, okay, but but there should be other resources to supplement if he's not or she's not. So um, Melissa explained the bi-mix. We had to find a compounding pharmacy to make the bimix. They shipped it to us. And then I went into my urologist's office, and he said, let's make sure you're going to use the needle right. And it was quite a bonding experience with my urologist. I pull my pants down. I grab the end of my penis, and I pull it. And then I pick the needle and I start to put it in, and it. I'm like, oh, it hurts. <laughs> and he grabs my hand and goes, <laughs> And I'm like, "Whoa!" And we inject it in, and it was like twenty Unit. milliliters or yeah. whatever. Point twenty point units. Two a,
0: point two of a mil was what I suggested.
2: Right. Yeah. Right. And then he comes back like twenty minutes later and is like, "How's it going?" Uh, And I show him and he's like, "Okay, so, you know, you can go up in units of 10. Um, He he said, don't go up any higher than 40. At the time. And. Excited, I went home and a day or two later, tried it. I think we've tried it. Five times. You're using the auto-injector now, aren't you, Todd? Yeah, so I switched to the auto-injector. I had to figure out that I needed a slightly longer needle. Mm -hmm. There's a lot we can talk about there. And remember, we
0: we had a very interesting um, Zoom consult, didn't we, where I was talking through it and I had my little plastic penis doing it and Todd was just out of sight and they were doing it over there. So it was very interesting.
1: This is really important, I think, Todd, the nuts and bolts of it. I'd love to hear hear all the detail you want to talk about.
2: So. So. Trying to get it in the right place, everything online and everything you read says three and nine, so it's on the sides, so you have to grab your penis and pull it out. And you don't want to always put it in the same spot. You have to rotate it. And I like the idea of the auto-injector because it just made that moment. You just click it, and it pops in. And then you just push the injection. But was I keeping the injector piece exactly parallel and flush? Was I putting it in on an angle? There were all these details that, again, I would totally be happy to go to a physical therapist and have them grab it and work you know make work it like it's my elbow or my shoulder. Just what, I want to get it right.
1: There's only one problem there. Physiotherapists aren't allowed to do that. Only <laughs> nurses and doctors.
2: <laughs> right. So
1: anyway we so, so, we managed to overcome
0: that, didn't we? Even on online, I think that you did really well just by me showing you at the same time you were doing it there.
2: Yes. In that moment, and then we had two times two times where at whatever dosage we were at, I think we were at 30, it worked well enough to have sex first time in like a year, and it the heavens opened, it was just (laughs) unbelievable. I mean, we were both like moved <laughs> so because it wasn't it it wasn't the old guy we're used to but it, it was good length but it was floppy so we thought well we'll just keep upping the dosage and as we've upped the dosage and changed the needle length and played around with it I think the last four times we haven't had any success at all. Any?
0: You
1: haven't?
2: No. So you you've been away. So
1: oh, I'm so sorry, Todd. Uh, I know this is this is bad, but it's good because Melissa's going to help everyone else fix up. So what might be good, okay. Melissa, is just um because we're talking and we're visually looking at each other. I'm just noticing there's a bit of hand movements. But if we could just describe, you could describe the angle and the actual. Just mm. break it down. I think that will be. Really wonderful for the listeners, because there, there might be just one tiny bit, as you've taught me, Melissa, that Todd's just not quite getting right, that you'll fix in one second. So I'm worried we're gonna ask you some questions
0: first, Todd. So it was working right. well last time before I went on holiday. So what do you think's changed? So
2: we we so we had two moderately successful attempts where we were able to have penetrative penetrative sex mm. and we were thrilled, but it was more like we're hoping okay now we're going to get it so it's rock solid and we've never even been able to get back to the previous okay and so we've upped the dosage the last time we tried we were at 50
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and i've been reading online because i don't have any other resource other than you guys and you were traveling not mm. and so somebody said online well gee if the needle is a little too long and your penis diameter is only this that maybe you go past where it's supposed to go in and maybe it isn't going in
0: mm. you know
2: if not if this me. is mm. so i don't know if that's true or
0: i'll speak to that if you like so what i find is that It seems to me, and this is a gross generalisation, but the more people think about it, the less success they seem to have. It's always the guys who are a bit slap happy, you know, I'll slap it on and stick it in. They seem to have much better success than the guys who are more analytical about it and think about it. So the most important thing is I think three o'clock and nine o'clock is too far around the edge of the penis. You're much better off going at like two o'clock and 11 o'clock. You really need to make sure that the circle of the auto injector and in the show notes, I'll put the link to the video I've made on this is flat on the shaft of the penis. Right. Most, most important is that you remember to strangle or for I don't for want of a better word, the base for one minute at the end. Yeah. And I think also, and this sounds crazy, but I have had many men who have made the mistake of just forgetting to turn the vial of liquid upside down and draw the liquid out into the syringe. And they'll be going along really well for a while. Everything works perfect. And then when they that then a few times it doesn't work. And I have a follow up consult with them. And it turns out. They've actually been injecting air because the liquid is clear and the needle is, but that's obviously not happening to. to Not happening here. So I think that's, and then the other way you always know that it's not going to work is if you get a bruise, you can't do harm, but it means it's not in the right tissue because you've gone too shallow. And if you get a little bulge that you can see on the shaft of the penis when you've given it, it means it's in the wrong spot because it's gone too shallow. So
2: right. I have ha- I haven't seen that either. Mm-hmm. And my urologist and all the stuff that I've seen from big university hospital to mm-hmm. remain nameless urology departments all say nine o'clock and three o'clock. So they yeah. say just on the side. Yeah. Gets it in the right spot. So mm-hmm. it seems like such a that we should be able to figure out uh so since i've been trying to find some resource locally so i found a large university medical center who has a big urology department and there's somebody there who's supposed to be spectacular on this issue right and and so he and i have been emailing he said look you can go up to 100 definitely with the bimix
0: definitely
2: uh, and so he said keep keep doing that and he also said I he talked about the trimex and I said, well I'm worried about that same chemical yes. he said it's such a small amount yes relatively speaking, it's not like the suppository which is hundred percent concentrated that drug this is you know just a teeny bit of that drug. So he said you probably won't get any kind of burning. or. Yeah,
0: I totally agree with him on that. And that's what I would suggest as well next is just to add a very small amount because the drug that you're using now is called papaverin and fentolamine. And the next right. step is to add like a whiff of l into it. And when you do that, it gives you that increased hardness with not necessarily the pain. And certain some people still do get the pain because they're super sensitive to it which is why I always say try the papaverin and fentolamine biomix first because otherwise you think it's the needle that was causing the pain and not the drug. So I think it's important to now you know that doesn't, and so now would be a good time. The other thing you can do is you can also add in a very small percentage of lignocaine, which is a local anesthetic with the L-prostadol, and it doesn't numb your penis so you have no sensation because it only goes into the right tissue that's giving you the erection. And if you've only got a mild ache with it, that's often enough just to take the edge off that. So I totally agree with him. I think it's definitely worth we should now try a tri-mix. But it still doesn't make sense to me that the bi-mix originally was giving you, I know it wasn't wonderful, but it was better than nothing. And now you're getting nothing at all. That has to be location error. So we need to get back on a Zoom call with Jeffrey, my penis and and yours and um, have a go at that because there's something going on, you know, and you're right. They all say nine o'clock and three o'clock, but you still, you've got much more success with two o'clock and 11 o'clock because there's less chance of going to where the urethra is, which is what you were talking about before, because- some men have quite large girths, some have skinny girth, and when you go from the top, it's a much less of a problem. So okay. I think um, so, we can tweak so that definitely. This <laughs> is
2: something, and I know it's more difficult because we're over Zoom. Again, I'm in PT right now. When, when I'm doing a, a PT exercise, she will come up to me and make, the most minute adjustment no you want both shoulders back and pinched before you move the arms up oh okay so there's that attention to detail for something for my shoulder but for the most important thing my penis it's like even though it needs that same kind of precision is it three is it two is it this way is it that way with the angle the flushness yeah yeah. So what
0: I would love you to both try and then tell me how you go is Yeah. go to 60 units of that mix that you've got now and yeah. when you do it, get your partner to actually hold the base of the, like you stretch your penis out like I show you in the video, Yeah.
2: yeah. put
0: the auto-injector on the shaft and make sure your partner holds it flush to your penis while you press the button. Because just a slight movement when you're doing that will make it, can make it pop out of the corporate cavernosa. Right. And sorry, one other thing that I think is really important that I is often an issue and makes such a difference is standing with your back on a wall. Purely because it's human nature that when something...
2: Because well, like, you can't back up.
0: Yeah, right. you only have to move a tiny bit. And what I'm thinking whilst I'm talking to you, I'm thinking out loud, is that the fact that it's semi work like it did okay the first couple of times and then it isn't, is the first couple of times you were probably standing so still like a statue because you were petrified. Then you've got a little bit more relaxed and it's just human nature to just, you only have to move your hips a tiny bit for that very short needle to just pop out of the corpora cavernosa.
2: Wow. So
0: I reckon stand with your back flat to the wall, get your partner to hold it nice and firm on on the shaft and try again, making sure you remember to do the strangulation bit. And I wish I could find another word for that. It's awful. Um, For only one minute, it's not, more is not better. Just one minute is enough. And then if you tell me how that goes and And then we'll tweak it again.
2: Great. We'll definitely do that. We have our homework. Um, And the doctor also says, make sure you, you put pressure on where the needle comes out. And the new urologist is saying, you got to do that for five minutes. Yeah, you don't. So there aren't enough hands. We need like a staff. Yeah, you don't need to do
0: that. The guys who are on blood thinners, yes. And all it avoids is getting a bruise. And the bruise is gone in a couple of days. So don't stress about that. It's fine. You don't need to do that.
2: Yeah. You're not going to
0: bleed to death out your penis.
2: No, I I think they worry about peronies, I think that's the thing. Yeah, I that's
0: not a preventing peronies though. The thing that prevents peronies is making sure that you move the sites around and you're not always going in the same spot and using your pump on for the rehabilitation. So I saw a guy. This I just interviewed a guy this morning before you about injecting, and he's been using them for four and a half years now, and wow, he is seventy two, and. He was very reluctant to start, and he had a very difficult time starting, and now he's like, this is the best thing ever. It's easy. He's never had a lump or bump or a bend, but he does all the right things. He uses a clean needle every time. He makes sure he alternates sites. He uses his pump in days in between to keep it healthy, and it's great. No,
2: that's, that's good. I Once we started doing the bimix. I stopped doing the pump. Yes. So that's that's good to re- remind me of that. Thank but you. That's
0: also another thing as well, Todd, that remembering when you're not using the pump, it's it's almost like what you're doing is you're you're doing all your shoulder exercises and then when it's better you don't do them anymore and 6 months down the track you go oh it's getting yeah. a bit stiff again. So with yeah. the pump you're even though you want your penis to be stiff, don't you? I just realized no pun intended, but um <laughs> yeah. you with the pump you're you're building, you're making the smooth muscle of your penis shaft stay healthy, you're pumping blood into it. You were doing a lot of that before you did those first two successful injections. And now if you yes. stop doing that, yes. and you're not and the injections aren't working anymore as well, that also could be one of the problems. See, that's okay. I'm just gonna
1: butt in here and say that's exactly yeah. the sort of thing that, you know, Melissa's going through step by step by step, trying and work out what could have happened, because we would normally expect to keep on, you know, improving, improving, improving. And um, you know, that it becomes more reliable and, and easier for you, not hit, miss, hit, miss, hit, miss, because it's usually just one or two steps that you thought, I'm moving in the right direction now, but, you know. Right. You just sometimes forget one vital step, and that can be the difference between success and failure and depression, you know.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. Todd,
1: use yeah. your pump for a few days, get back onto the exercises for a few
0: days, then try the higher dose and stand next to a, with your bum flash against a wall so you can't do any hip wiggles you save them for when the penis goes up
2: <laughs> right yes well said well said
1: can I just okay, ask that's... another question Melissa sorry no. mm. Melissa because sometimes I think people as they progress they actually realize they can start using a little bit less medication but this is a different scenario right now for Todd he's on the up. um could you just comment on when some people actually think once in a while they might try without the injection they use the viagra and the pump and the ring and whether or not for some of my patients are really surprised that they can do that as they improve Mm. yeah so the
0: reason is the way i think about it is that the nerves that are giving you the erectile function are healing slowly so at the stage like Todd's at, is that Mm. he's still in the, you know, not much is improving yet because he hasn't got to that 18-month, two-year mark. But hopefully down the track, we'll see that it'll all be working fine, but then you'll use the same dose and it might be too strong and last Mm. too long. And then I would say, you know, that's a good sign. It means your nerves are starting to wake up and they're starting to heal. So now's a good time to try a Viagra and and see how that goes. And it may or may not work, or you might just need to reduce the injection dose and do that for a few months and then try the Viagra or a Cialis again.
1: Does that answer Or that? the combination of everything.
2: Yes. Like yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Words that men never say is my erection lasted too long.
0: <laughs> You'd be <laughs> that, surprised. That just, Sometimes uh, <laughs>
2: Maybe, but it would really have to be like, you know, the, the month of May or something, but, <laughs>
1: but. Um, can I ask Todd, have you ever listened to our other podcasts? There's a brilliant podcast we did very early on in our series by a man from South Africa. His name was Mish and he describes his loss of his mesmerizing, mesmerizing penis. The way he described things was, it was very emotional, but do you remember Melissa, he was so in tune with things. And I think, a lot of my patients said that that they really relate to that.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, he was. Yeah, have you listened to that one, Todd? It's episode thirty-three.
2: Rem- okay, I'll go. I'll go back and look. I listened to a lot of them mm. and found them really helpful. Just because it picks it out of the closet, you know. It now we're having a dialogue about it, and mm. it's more open, and it just makes me. F- yeah, normalizes it a little bit. It makes it feel like there's hope. You're not alone, kind of thing. All, all those, you know, classic things. And it's a podcast, which is great because you can put it on when you go for a run. You can put it on when you're in the car. Hmm. So Melissa, you can access it wherever you want.
1: Sorry, that that's so true, Melissa. I've got a question for you. You started this PNI rehabilitation online program what eighteen months ago? Is that? Yeah, well, not even. Yeah, not, maybe twelve. Yeah. I'm I'm sort of sad but happy in that Todd's found you but America has 350 million people, we have 25 to 30 million people and he's found you. I'm just wondering from your perspective, has this been the case that people have been all over the world contacting you because the same thing's happening? Yep, we've got people in New
0: Zealand, all over Australia, uh, the UK, america and canada and i just think it is it's about people not really knowing where to go for help you know like and and it's just about getting the message out there and as i said before the hardest thing with this is getting the message out there that there is help available because Mm. how do you advertise something like this and really
1: it's word of mouth and and probably Mm. podcasting and youtube is the only option really so the patients are engaging with you, but and now what about the urologist, the next level? Because, you know, obviously Todd's gone back to his urologist, and urologist is going, yeah, and he's going to learn from Todd, but shouldn't it be the other way around? Yeah, I have actually, yes. I had tried to contact urologists.
0: So the urologists in um, Australia, as you know, Joe, are very open and yeah. engaging with us a lot. Yeah. I think it's just um,
1: different, yeah. Yeah,
0: but I think, but that's also new. You know, when I first started doing all of this, it was actually quite difficult to get the urologists to, to engage, but they're all very on board now. Yeah. Um, and so I did contact a lot of urologists in America and didn't get a great response. But I'm ready to try again because this year, Todd, you may or may not know that the um, International Guidelines for Sexual Health After Prostate Cancer Treatment have been published.
1: And, and Melissa
0: was a co-author. Yeah, I was one of the authors on oh, it. Oh, wow. And so they were just released in September. And so I think now they've gone to all the urological associations. And I think people are are thinking about quality of life after prostate cancer much more now. So I'm ready again. This is This, this is 2023 okay. is to go back to the urologists and other nurse practitioners like me and physiotherapists in America and Canada and England and say, this is available. We don't need to keep people in the dark about this, like. It's, mm. And you
1: know what? The most ironic thing is hearing this, Todd. Is I learned everything before I met Melissa from the King of Erectile Dysfunction, Doctor John John Mulhall, who's from amazing. The, the United States of America. Yeah. Mm. we've seemed to have eleven. His lecture from two thousand fifteen. It's in one hour. It's like gold. But I listened to it third. In 2013, you have the best person in the world in America, who teaches me, who teaches Melissa, and I don't know why Dr. John Mulhall hasn't had more impact at the local level. It's
2: never heard of him. I think, and I I haven't seen the. You know, I'd love to watch the his talk.
0: Yeah, go on to his um, YouTube channel. Actually, he does some great. He has got some really good ones. I think the problem with John Mulhall is he's brilliant. But he also is predominantly a cancer specialist and it's very hard to spread yourself yeah. that thin. So, you know, I think his thing is curing cancer and he has an interest in this, but he can't, you know, we think so, about how full our clinic. is. I actually
1: found the opposite, Melissa, because in the, all my um, post investigations into what I was doing, because my paper actually fortunately, I want to show that pelvic floor exercise was a good first step in rehabilitation. So that it actually says it should be the first step. as you're already doing it for Constance to let people know that pelvic floor training is good for that. But John Mulhall did all the work on Peyronie's disease and all the work on sexual dysfunction. And that's why he's known as the king of erectile dysfunction. And so with all due respect, I actually would have expected, because that's been a good 15 years body work, but he's been leading that from America, how it hasn't filtered down at the local level. Um, And perhaps we should just put that you know, founding um, lecture is a link because it is one hour in the podcast yeah. show notes today because he he was the first one who actually said, don't worry about the first year. The second year is when most men will get their erectile function recovery. And I was like, wow, that's so good. Um, because I, in clinic you ask questions and guys tell me that they don't feel anything much for three or four months. Then they get an occasional twinge or pressure or even a partial feeling. When they're doing a bowel movement, that's the pelvic floor starting to open and fill. Then some little shootings, funny little nerve pangs, maybe partial erections in the middle of the night. Just just movement at the station. We, we hear all these phrases all the time. And then that to me is like a light bulb physically um, to say, yeah, the nerves are coming along. But then month by month it creeps along. What What's your quote? Is it one millimetre per month of recovery, Melissa?
0: Yeah, 0.01
1: millimetre per mile. 0.01, per
0: mile. okay. Yeah, it's tiny. It's like watching grass grow, as you well know, Todd. And I've had really? patients. I had a patient the other I'll
2: day. Be, he, I'll be dead before I have the erection.
1: <laughs> you know, I do a bit of work with Shockwave. I had a man come to see me. I, could you not, two weeks ago, 10 years after his surgery, started getting some of these feelings back. Wow. He was 66, now Now he's 77, 11 years. And he said, I'm here for Shockwave to wake up the dead because he said he started to get some sensation. And that's just crazy stuff, like nerves still healing after that length of
2: time. Wow. So that's, that's sad. That's depressing.
1: Todd, just
0: because we have to wrap it up now, have you yeah. got any final things that you'd like to share? Or, I mean, it's been wonderful. I really appreciate your vulnerability, actually, and your honesty is amazing. So thank you. Um, And I'm not going to cut any of the bits out where we've had a problem because I think it's excellent that we've done a bit of (laughs) brainstorming about how to fix it. It's really good. Right. Because other people have the same problems you're having, you know, and it is. So I think that's great. And I'm really looking forward to hearing you try those new tips.
2: Men don't like to talk about lack of sexual potency and power. So even other men when I talk to other men who have had prostate surgery who will remain nameless in this mm-hmm. podcast usually you just get off I'm such a stud mm-hmm. you, know, you know which to me I interpret as you have no idea it's like you know you know you just you, you can't tell the other thing this is this has an enormous impact on the man's sexuality, how he feels about himself, how how you you hold yourself as a, a man in the world. Ever since you were a small child, you'd you'd look at something and your penis would get hard, and when that goes away, it's just a, a huge loss on every level. And the other piece that's talked about even less is the impact that that has on your partner. Mm. Your partner who's used to coming over, snuggling you and feeling that he or she has an impact that invokes something in you. And when that doesn't happen, they feel awful. They feel hurt and abandoned and that it's them is under they are undesirable now. And none of that's true, but it's heartbreaking. And while you're going through this for 10 months, and it's easy, of course, for a man to just look down and think that's what this is all about. Yeah, right. It's it's really what the impact it's having uh, on each of the people in the couple, male, female, they, him, whatever. It's having a huge emotional impact on both, all people in that relationship. And it's something that needs to be really treated as well.
0: Yeah, I yeah, I totally agree. I think it's um, much bigger than just a functionality issue with your shoulder. There's a lot more emotion yeah. and self-esteem yeah. and your identity and everything else involved with this.
2: Yeah, and the impact on your partner.
0: Yeah, I, I so yeah. agree. And I think it's mm-hmm. so hard. And I think the other thing that I see a lot of is that Often the partner is menopausal at the same time that men are going through this. And as a menopausal woman, you already feel a little bit floppy and unattractive and that things aren't like they used to be. And then suddenly your partner isn't getting an erection anymore when they cuddle up to you or do whatever. It's kind of like, oh, it's almost like, yes, I am getting old and ugly, you know, <laughs> Like even though that's not the right. reason. We're already right. a little not bit a... fragile as a menopausal woman. Woman. Right. Right
1: you no know, I just um I don't know if Melissa's seeing my text right now, but we actually have to record another podcast and this one's already been finished recording. But I, I wonder if if you guys work together for a little bit and in a month or so we have an opportunity to do another recording once you feel confident. Yeah. And yeah, I think Absolutely. this emotional stuff, this partnership stuff, we don't meet too many men who are as openly talking about it as you. And I just think we should touch base again with you when you feel like you're a little bit further down the track. What do you think, Melissa? I'd love to, Todd, if you're up for it. Because um, we've, we've done a couple of uh, part twos and people really like to hear the outcome and the, the follow-up. Right. And um, right. I think we we haven't, we haven't didn't put anywhere near enough answers on the partner and the self-esteem stuff. And Melissa's, Melissa's a relationship sexologist counsellor too. So I think we need to harness this conversation with a bit more depth too.
2: Right. Yeah, I'd be very happy to do that. I, I feel like this is such a big problem. Anything I can do to help and help other men go through this more effectively, and other couples, people in partner relationships go through this more readily. And uh, we can talk about it, but maybe my partner would would join in on this as That would well. be wonderful we'll talk about if talk about uh, you go know, their feelings. to
0: it. mm, It'd be great. All right. Well, I'm gonna wrap that up. Thank you so much, Todd. And I know that your partner is sitting next to you holding your hand while you're going through all of this. So thank you so much to both of you for being thank there. You. And staying up so late at night. I hope you get a good sleep. Yeah.
2: We will. We and I will. Hope you all get right. We'll be back in touch.
0: Try the tweaks. Me too. Okay. See you later. My
2: partner too. Okay. <laughs> Bye, Joe. Bye, Melissa. Bye. Thank you. For Thanks your time. for everything you've done. Thank you. tell you about a boy
1: lives inside me it's been there all of my life hi
0: i'm melissa and i hope you enjoyed the podcast this week just a reminder if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer i've built a penile rehabilitation program just for you It's an online program packed with information, exercises and advice, along with proven strategies that will get your penis back in working order as quickly as possible in about 15 minutes a day. If you like the sound of that, then please head over to penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you can start straight away, or there's a link from the RS Health website. We would also love you to review and subscribe and share this podcast so we can help more men. Links to Instagram and Facebook are in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there. So spread the word that help is available. All the best for now. Bye.
2: I've got a boy of my own now It fills me with pride
1: To see him growing so fast into a man
2: As victories become mine